Hi, I'm Jack Lesenberry, and welcome to my podcast. I've been writing and doing journalism since the last days of hot metal type. I've pretty much done everything from being a roving foreign correspondent to a television host, a radio news analyst, and a city magazine editor. I've interviewed Gerald Ford about Watergate, Jack of Orkin about suicide, and Kwame Kilpatrick about that famous party of his. Most of all, what I like doing is telling stories, sharing interesting things I've learned, and especially getting people to tell stories that reveal sides of themselves that most people really don't know. I also think I have a pretty good grasp of how Michigan and the nation work and who the people who run it are. For those of you who are fans of my daily essays during the many years I was with Michigan Radio, we'll have those too. So make sure to listen as often as you possibly can, and remember, there's no charge for listening twice. And also, please follow my writing on my blog, Lessonberry Inc., that's I-N-K like inkpen.com. Most of us know that corporations have the same rights as people for some legal purposes, but what about the rights of nature? A group of mainly young, idealistic people in Toledo decided that poor, long-suffering Lake Erie should have the right not to be polluted beyond measure and collected signatures to get a Lake Erie Bill of Rights on the ballot. Both major parties largely opposed them and fought to keep that off the ballot. They're outspent 40 to 1 by mainly out-of-state interest, with funds coordinated by Vice President Dick Cheney's daughter, and despite all that, the kids and the lake won by a landslide. Joining me in the studio is Marky Miller, the communications director and driving force behind that campaign. Marky, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Now, you're a local environmental activist, and how long did it take you guys to uh, figure out what you wanted to do? And put together this Bill of Rights and get it on the ballot. We knew what we wanted to do right away. It probably took a little less than a year to get everything drafted, get people on board, and then it took about two years to actually collect signatures. Wow. And so once you collected signatures, I understand that the city and the county fought to keep it off the ballot anyway. Yeah, we had a lot of obstacles once we turned those in, and we should have been on the November 2018 ballot. Uh, we were kept off first by the Board of Elections and had several fights in the Ohio Supreme Court, lots of protests in our local city council office, and eventually won the right to a special election this February. Now, you were worried about that because you thought you'd do better with a larger turnout of a general election. I think you you always have more people engaged and paying attention right. to a general election. In February, the weather is is so hard to predict, so that definitely deters people from coming out, I think. Exactly. And so you ended up having a special election, tiny, tiny turnout. Mm -hmm. You had, uh, was it BP, what we used to know as British Petroleum, spent more than $300,000 and they gave it to Dick Cheney's daughter to run the campaign against you. Yes, under the name Toledo Jobs and Growth Coalition. But I think we can stop calling it a coalition since it was just one donor. Kind of like me calling myself the young, thin people of America. <laughs> That's right. So, so anyway, so how much money did you folks managed to scrape together. We spent just under $6,000 on that So they had $313,000, and you had $6,000. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you weren't doing a lot of big-budget TV commercials. No, no. We did uh, about 10,000 mailers, just right. one front and back colored copy, and then we went door-to-door -door and hung up door signs, talked to many, as many people as we could. It was a very, very grassroots campaign. Uh, we spent our money on yard signs, which we had to go out and 
place in the snow and take orders for. Uh, it was it was a grind, and we spent every dollar that we could. Uh, we we also did some robocalls to try and just get our message out there. Got a lot of calls back from people asking where do they vote, wanting more information. Right. So we tried to engage people as best we could. Uh, but we we are also all volunteers. So. Well, now, you didn't get paid for this, obviously. No. And, if, and and you were running. If I remember correctly, you were running a theater at the time mm-hmm. and moving, which is one of the most difficult yeah. things. Yeah, I moved. In history. I moved the same week as the election. So what happened? <laughs> what happened when people actually voted? It was an overwhelming majority of people voting yes for this. More than sixty-one um, percent. Yeah, the the first. Election results came in early. Those were all the the early voting and the absentee ballots, and we had seventy seven percent of those. Were you, were you amazed by that? Yes, I, wow. I think we knew at that point that we had a huge lead, and we were getting calls from media saying we think you got it, so we're just going to do your interview now. And right. you know, so it it was still hard to believe. You know, you never know. Numbers come in all night, sure. and things could happen. But I think that seventy seven percent just. It shook us, and we were just excited from, from that point. To put it in technical, political, uh, science terms, you really kicked butt. We did. And uh, so what does the Bill of Rights, what does it do? What does it do? Now, I mean, obviously, how does the lake act on its Bill of Rights, or can people act on its behalf? Yeah, so the the goal is, as you said earlier, to start to strip away those rights of corporations that entitle them to pollute, to use nature as property. And what we do is recognize that Lake Erie has rights, the right to flourish, exist, evolve naturally, and that we've been violating those rights with our current environmental policies. Now, some of us remember, of course, that five years ago this summer, the drinking water, and nobody could drink or even bathe with the water in Toledo, all the way up right. to Monroe, Michigan, because of the these huge algae blooms with with poisonous bacteria, toxin produced by the poisonous toxins produced by the cyanobacteria in mm-hmm. them. Um, is that was that caused directly by things people did? Yeah, I think that was definitely uh, the the culprit was was human activity, right? It, it was uh, industrial farming. It was a lot of the nutrient runoff. Uh, so that that played a huge role, and it's so played basically a huge this role. Is when you, uh, in layman's terms, it was it's fertilizer and manure pouring into the water, right? And there's phosphorus in that, and that's what the algae eat, right? Right. And our area is so unique with the drainage tiles and that system that we have in the the rural parts surrounding that watershed and within that watershed that it's almost impossible to use our current best management practices to reduce uh, the dissolved phosphorus that gets in deep into the soil layers and is drained out through the tiles and straight into the waterways. A few years ago, I presided over a conference uh, called uh, Farmers and People Together or something. We're trying to get farmers to voluntarily reduce the amount of phosphorus they're putting in the water, which Mm -hmm. I don't think worked. Um, So so basically, now, could you, you, Toledoans for Safe Water, which is your group, Mm -hmm. if you have a farmer in the Toledo jurisdiction who's putting, you know, fertilizer on frozen ground and it's getting in the Lake Erie, could you sue on behalf of uh, Lake Erie? Absolutely. And the the activity that's causing the harm, wherever the source of that is, does not have to be in the jurisdiction of Toledo. It's more about where the harm happens. Uh-huh. So, so, you know, we are giving rights to all of Lake Erie, but all, we are a little more limited to the Western Basin, of course. But the people who are at the source of that harm may not be in the limits of Toledo. So if they're doing something, let's say, up in Michigan, 
and it's coming down, it's affecting Lake Erie, because mm-hmm. you know, it's going to affect all of Lake Erie, you can still sue them. You don't, you're not just limited to the city of Toledo. Right. And, and a lot of that comes down to the boundaries of the watershed right. and how that can drain down. Because what happens, just like after the water crisis, the people of Toledo, my community, we had to shoulder the cost right. of repairing that problem, of treating that problem. Millions and millions of dollars. Millions of dollars, millions of dollars, higher water rates. Um, And then just this overall risk of, well, if you're treating our tap water and maybe we're not exposed to those high levels, but we are exposed to high levels of whatever you're treating it with. So there's a lot of costs associated that fell on our shoulders. And for the last five years, I have not seen anything come out of any any level of government that has sought to properly address the issue. Is it, is, it quite, is it possible that this summer you could have a re- repeat of that? I mean, there's still these huge algae blooms that are forming. Sure. Could you have another case where this toxin gets in the water again? Sure, it sure. Could, could it happen in, in Detroit? Absolutely. It could happen anywhere. And we've seen all over the globe there's been an uptick in uh, harmful algal blooms. And, you know, in Florida last summer had the red tide. And, right. you know, it's, it's becoming a big problem. And what I saw after... Our issue in 2014 was that we began to normalize it, to say, let's get prepared. Let's watch uh, watch and monitor the water, and we'll, we'll notify you early. Right. Yeah, and, and to say, well, it's okay that we stock up on bottled water all summer and paper plates and frozen food just in case. Right. You know, but— that's not an answer that I want to accept. So, now, are you hoping that other communities follow your lead? Absolutely. I think that's going to be key, um, that we need other shoreline communities of Lake right. Erie as well as other other communities throughout the U.S. to start doing this. Now, your opponents, the people who are uh, against you, did they just uh, accept it as a good sport, say, well, you won fair and square and, uh, you know, <laughs> we're not going to bother to challenge it? I don't think that's what happened, is it? I wish I could say that. Uh, no, absolutely not. We had less than 24 hours. We had a lawsuit filed uh, after the election against our, our initiative. By some farming group? It was. It's filed by a, a farmer in Wood County. Um, but Wood County is south of Toledo. Yes, okay. yes, and and um, but we we believe it to be backed by the Ohio Farm Bureau and and the big ag industry. Right, um, they were very actively and, and vocally against us during our campaign. And now the state of Ohio has also attempted to intercede. Yes, the state because they the lawsuit was filed against the city of Toledo, so uh, we're trying to intervene. Goliath doesn't stay dead. You <laughs> knock him out and he keeps going back. Keeps going back. Well, I think it's there's there's just more than one, and um, so we're definitely trying to intervene not only as Toledoans for Safe Water as a group, but also intervene as Lake Erie. Right, so because you have the right to do that. Now. Absolutely, we'd like to be able to give Lake Erie a voice in this case. Now, when I first met you, you know, um, uh, you were a local activist. You were not working full time. You're still working on a master's degree. You're going to give a speech uh, <laughs> later this month. You were asked to speak before the United Nations. Yes. Did that? Did that sort of, to use a '60s term, blow your mind? <laughs> it still is. I I still can't believe that it's it's a reality. And this is on Earth Day. You're going to speak on Earth Day. Yep. Yep. So I'm leaving this weekend, and on Monday I get to address. The United Nations for their harmony with nature um, interactive dialogue. 
Are you going to just ask them to promote world peace or to stop all the wars <laughs> or something just if you have a little extra time? Or Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how many demands I can so squeeze what, in there. I, I imagine you're still working on this, but what do you plan on saying at the United Nations? I think driving home for me, the, the important point would be the power of grassroots. Right. And the importance of prioritizing the rights of nature over the rights of corporations. Because when it comes down to it, the rights of Lake Erie become the rights of my community. You know, I was thinking about this driving here. You're 29 years old. You're the same age as Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, mm-hmm. the dynamic new congresswoman, Katie Fahey, who put together a grassroots group like yourself last year to get gerrymandering ended in Michigan. 29-year-old women seem to be taking over the world right? and, and to making things happen, which I think is very encouraging. By the way, Lake Erie is the most endangered of all the lakes, right? Because it's mm-hmm. warmer, it's fairly shallow, right. and it's the lake. If, if the Asian carp are going to get in anywhere, they're going to get there. So um, what, what made you decide to donate, to sort of devote so much of your professional life to Lake Erie? I was a, I was a grad student of environmental science, and I was very frustrated Right. I was being told, here's the world's problems, um, good luck. You know, there, there was not a lot of discussion about, here's what you can do about it. And it started to break me a little bit where I, I felt like I was failing the environmental movement. Mm. And in between that time, I was transitioning grad programs. And when I went home is when we had the water crisis. And it was at a point when I was ready to give up and pick a new career. <laughs> Right. I just thought, I don't have a place here. You were selling cars for a while. <laughs> for a while. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and um, I think that moment when it happened at home and I just got so frustrated to the point where I thought, I'm just going to get involved again. And I was, again, feeling frustrated that I didn't have a place. I didn't have a role to play in that fight. It was a lot of listening, a lot of pleading and begging. And when I heard about, hey, this group is trying to do a Lake Erie Bill of Rights, I knew almost nothing about it, but it just, it spoke to me in a way that I thought, I'm going to go check this out. And learning about it and the idea of community rights, of rights of nature, changed my entire perspective. It was everything I was missing from my environmental education. So I thought... (laughs) You know, I, I always would joke about this burden of knowledge that you'd have right. with environmental science that you know too much and you feel guilty all the time with everything that you do. And finally, I had this burden of knowledge of something that I knew about that it was a solution. So how could I not get involved with well, it? And, and you did it. Now, you folks have a website. People want to read more about it. We do. It is lakeerieaction.org, and you can find us on Facebook as Toledoans for Safe Water. Final question, or almost final question. <laughs> if someone is listening to us who's in uh, Gross Point or St. Clair Shores or some other Michigan shoreline community, mm-hmm. what do you recommend they do? Uh, I think they should, if, if they're interested, they should find others in their community that would be right. uh, interested in pursuing this idea. They are more than welcome to contact our group. Um, we are a little tied up with the lawsuit and things going on. You know, we, right. we're we not quite done with our work yet. But I would also recommend that they contact the Community Environmental Legal Defense Fund, which is a nonprofit public interest law firm that assisted us with drafting this law and also doing all the legal work for us. And you have a current position with environmental. I do. I, after the election, um, you know, I, I quit my job because the work with this was so 
intense that it was too important for me to sacrifice. So I left my job. I volunteered full time for the campaign. And uh, I knew that I wanted to find an environmental career that didn't mean compromising what I stood for. That seemed to be the norm that you had to compromise some things if you wanted to work for a regulatory agency or some form of environmental company. So uh, I just kept applying with them. And I don't do any organizing, but I help with uh, their their fundraising. The name of the group you're with? uh, The Community Environmental Legal Defense Fund. CELDEF, for sure. CELDEF, yep. But, uh, well... Mark and Miller, congratulations. I think your story is inspiring. Any final things that you wanted to say about Lake Erie or about uh, environmental activism? I think it's important that we look at this as civil disobedience, as saying that what we do, our actions need to be the things that inform the laws that we abide by, rather than just looking at our system of laws and saying, well, that's not a route that we can go. Mm-hmm. Mark and Miller, Toledoans for Safe Water, thank you very much for making time for us today. Thank you. I'm Jack Lessenberry. I'll be back in a moment. Marky Miller has lived almost all of her life near the shores of Lake Erie, either in Lambertville, Michigan, where she grew up, or in Toledo, where she and her husband just bought their first house. She's 29, too young to remember when Lake Erie caught on fire, when it was so clogged with phosphates that it was given up for dead. But she remembers very well five summers ago when cyanobacteria from giant algae blooms rendered the water in Toledo and Monroe, Michigan unfit to drink for several days. Miller, who has a master's degree in environmental science from the University of Idaho, also knows why that happened and knows it could happen again. Basically, it's because of agricultural runoff from area farms, both from animal manure and fertilizer pouring into the water table. Miller, who a few months ago was running an ancient old movie palace, knew that there are few, if any, things more important than her beloved Lake Erie and its ecosystem. So, a couple of years ago, she joined a group called Toledoans for Safe Water. Then she helped draft the Lake Erie Bill of Rights, which begins, We the people in the city of Toledo declare that Lake Erie and the Lake Erie watershed comprise an ecosystem upon which millions of people and countless species depend for health, drinking water, and survival. It adds that since all power of governance is inherent in the people, we the people of the city of Toledo declare and enact this Lake Erie Bill of Rights, which establishes irrevocable rights for the Lake Erie ecosystem to exist, flourish, and naturally evolve. It was designed to allow those defending the lake to sue on its behalf. Markey and a few fellow Lake Erie advocates and environmental activists began the difficult process of collecting more than 10,000 signatures needed. The agricultural interest and the powers that be tried to do everything they could to keep them off the ballot. The Lucas County Board of Elections stalled on certifying their signatures, then, once they admitted they had enough, refused to certify the bill for the ballot. Markey's group then went to the Ohio Supreme Court. They lost on a technicality, went back, and Markey, by this time as both head organizer and press spokesman for the group, finally got to hear the high court say that the politicians on the local board of elections had no right to keep a citizen's initiative off the ballot. The politicians and lobbyists did all they could to stop it. BP, the giant multinational oil and gas conglomerate, spent more than $300,000 on misleading commercials and hired Dick Cheney's daughter to run their campaign. Toledoans for Safe Water barely had enough for a few leaflets. The city held the election on a cold day in February, when college kids would be away at school, and the odds were against them. Turnout 
was indeed small. The Lake Erie Bill of Rights won by a landslide. Stunned, agricultural interests from out of town immediately filed a lawsuit to try and stop it. Toledoans for Safe Water still has to fight for what they achieved, but they have a bigger platform now. The day after the election, Markey got a phone call asking her to come and speak about the rights of nature at the United Nations. She could scarcely believe it, but it was true. Today, she's working for CELDEF, the Community Environmental Legal Defense Fund, and still fighting for her beloved lake. I don't know if Marky Miller knows she's exactly the same age as Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, or that last year, another 29-year-old without any money, a woman named Katie Fahey, took on the political establishment to try to end gerrymandering in Michigan, beat the big money and the lawsuits, and won by almost a million votes. Nor do I know if Marky knows that Margaret Mead said, Never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. But I do know that she and her friends have proven that that's still true. Well, it's great to have you here. Thanks for joining me today on the Zing Media Network. I hope you'll be looking out for other offerings soon. So come and listen. My goal is for you to listen every day and say, did you to your friends? As in, did you hear Jack Lessonberry's podcast today? He told me something I never knew before. So please join me. Think of this as something like the best of NPR with just as much depth and a little more irreverent fun. I can't say I'll leave the light on for you, but I can tell you that Siri, Alexa, Facebook, the iPod app, and whatever other social media you prefer will be standing by. This is your cheerful old curmudgeon, Jack Lessonberry. I'll see you again soon.